our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Hello and welcome to the EDH RecCast. My name is Joey Schultz and I'm joined as always by my fantastic co-hosts, up first, he went to an acting class, and when he was asked to improvise, he got on stage and tapped a bunch of artifacts. It's Matt Morgan. So my friend got a degree in Egyptology, but he still couldn't find a job, so they told him, you should probably go back and get another degree in Egyptology, which he did. I, I told him, you know, in your case, college is quite literally a pyramid scheme. Ooh, you know, Matt, that sounds like too much <laughs> Did I do it? Did I dad joke successfully or no? I, I'm going to call my mummy. I'm so sad about this. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm really just torn up. I'm, I, you're going to have to wrap me up and, and just coddle me a little bit here. I, I, I get it. Mm. You're better at this than me. I, I love it. I am. I am. I am. <laughs> yeah, I, I, am so I think humble. at least you're not in denial about it. Hey, well done. Well done. Up next, when I tapped my creature so that my vehicles would become crude, he told me, well, they ought to watch their language. It's Dana Roach. Um, I just got a text alert on my phone that a cheese factory exploded in France. Um, debris is everywhere. The debris. <laughs> I... Classic I was not prepared joke. for what, that one. What brie is it? Dubry. <laughs> Dubry. Wow. Oh, I I cherish you guys. Anyway, this is the EDH Recast. EDH Rec is the best deck building resource on the web for the commander format, compiling data from deck lists all over the internet to provide helpful recommendations for new commander decks. And here on the podcast, what we like to do is give all of that data a little more context. Dana, do you mind telling us what it is that we'll be doing in this week's episode? We are going to be talking about the most unique commanders. Yeah, we are kind of going through a small uh, revisitation cycle in our episodes, going back on some topics that we've tackled years and years ago that we want to refresh. And this is a big one. The commanders where when you compare them to other commanders in their same color combinations, we see which are the most unique ones, which of them play the fewest cards that a bunch of other commanders are playing, which commanders actually stand out from amongst all of their peers. It should be really interesting to see where that data is today. I'm pretty excited about revisiting this topic. Real quick, though, before we get into our main topic, let's pause and thank Chase, also known as Mana Curves, for assisting us with the post-production for the show. And of course, we want to thank our sponsors for the show, too. The EDH Redcast is sponsored by Card Kingdom and TCG Player. Buying from them is like having three ley lines in your opening hand. Ooh. Just go to EDH Rec and click on the card in question. Choose the vendor link down below. Doing so supports both the site and the show. 
And if you'd prefer to support the show directly, you can do so over at patreon.com slash edhretcast, where if patron tiers of all levels, whether you want to join the amazing Discord community that we have going on over there, you want to see all the episodes maybe a day early, or you want that special and most coveted weekly shout out. We have tiers <laughs> of all levels, and it's just a great way to support the show, also while getting yourself a nice little bonus in return. So with that said, I'm going to give it over to Mr. Adam Setterberg. Thank you so much, Adam, for your support. You are getting that awesome patron shout out. So thank you so much for all of your support. We definitely appreciate it. And for you dealing with all of these uh, these dead jokes that we just beat to death and, and probably should bury them <laughs> in a tomb somewhere. Hey, there there it is. Adam, thank you so much for your Patreonage instead of patronage. Does that make sense? Maybe I should just stick to the show notes. So let's move into our main topic. We are talking about the most unique commanders in every single color combination. We're going to go through them all. And specifically, a way that we should preface how this is being done is, again, we're measuring uniqueness in the same way that we are measuring the synergy scores on the EDHREC site. These commanders run X cards that other commanders of the same color combination are not playing. So these commanders have the greatest number of unique cards in their decks compared to other commanders of the same color combination. And let's dive right into it. We are actually going to start with the two color pairings and we'll kick it off with Azorius. Dana, do you mind telling us what is the most popular Azorius commander, excuse me, not popular, the most unique Azorius commander compared to other Azorius commanders? Uh, the most unique Azorius commander is Sig River Guide. Um, 287 decks in the database and there's 41 unique cards in the average Sig deck. Um, Sig is a Azorius Merfolk, obviously, um, Merfolk Wizard, technically, a white and a blue with Island Walk for a 2-2, and this has the ability for one and a white, target Merfolk you control, gains protection of a color of your choice until end of turn. So we're looking at a commander here that's in uh, colors that don't traditionally have a lot of Merfolk white that's running a bunch of Merfolk. It's, it's, it's going to be kind of a unique thing in Azorius colors. I don't know if I would have guessed Sig, but like once I saw Sig's name, I immediately knew why it was the, the number one Azari's commander on this list. Yep, that's a unique tribe for sure. Yeah, it, it, it hasn't been since, I want to say, Lorwyn, the original time Sig was printed, that we actually got any real white merfolk, or any support for merfolk in that color. So yeah, you're, you're kind of limited, but also nobody else is really doing that because Sig kind of does it pretty specifically too. Yeah, I'll be really interested to see if we ever do see merfolk that are not just in green and blue, but also in blue and white again. But for now, a lot of the Azorius stuff that we typically see does tend to be like artifacts and control strategies and tapping stuff down. And, you know, even though we've gotten new like vehicle stuff that's going on now, merfolk is a bit more obscure. But if we do ever go back to some other planes that have a lot of merfolk, it would be interesting to see if this is a commander that can actually get a bit more love. Because right now it feels to me like a commander that is unique as a result of the fact that it hasn't gotten enough love. It would be interesting to see if that evolves in the future. Uh, let's move right from Azorius into Demir now. And this is a very strange one that I know I didn't see coming. The most unique Demir commander is one called Skeleton Ship. And um, immediately, Dana, I actually have to ask you if you know what this card is, because I do not know what this card is. And it seems like one that might be up your alley. I, I It does because I play a lot of Demir, so at various <laughs> points I've considered making this deck. So yes, I, I know Skeleton Ship is a 0-3 um, skeleton <laughs> that you can tap to put a minus one counter on a target creature. Well, and don't forget, it, it, it has 
at one point it was considered island home, which is a mechanic they haven't done in a very long time. Yes. Um, but if you don't control any islands, you have to get rid of or sacrifice, I believe, is the current errata term <laughs> on Skeleton Ship 2. Yeah, a five mana Demir 3 that can put some minus one counters onto some things by tapping. This is a commander that, despite how thrilling that ability surely sounds, it has over 200 decks to its name, which is, so you know what? Impressive. And also, okay, I'm I'm not going to lie. Like, I'm, I'm not going to say that this is a good strategy. I think we can all see that stat line and see, eh, you know, it's kind of like, it seems more silly than it seems powerful. But at the same time, looking over its EDHREC page, I see a lot more support for this strategy for minus one counter Demir stuff than I necessarily expected to. There is a lot of proliferate stuff going on here. There are a lot of untapped shenanigans so that you can use this ability multiple times. And frankly, I gotta respect this one. A very popular card for Skeleton Ship is the card Hirobi Death's Whale, where uh, whenever creatures are targeted, they are immediately killed. So Skeleton Ship, instead of putting minus one counters onto things, can actually just kill a bunch of things in instead. And that is honestly a very potent synergy. So you know what? I'm, I'm being a little facetious about, you know, oh, skeleton chip. What is this? That's a little bit weird. But like, it's weird. And I think the best way and I can't help but respect it. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, it, it's got a real, really unique deck that it, that it lends itself to that nothing else really in Demir Colors is probably doing. And, you know, five mana is a lot, but it's not necessarily <laughs> an uncastable amount of mana like some old legends we would occasionally see. That's doable. So it'd be great if it wasn't a zero three, maybe, but <laughs> um, that that bit's unfortunate. But no, that, it, that's a fun, playable older card. And I'm glad to see that there's enough decks for it to pop up on this list. Exactly. Yeah. You you put it out there with a nest of scarabs to make a bunch of insects while you're mm -hmm. at it. And then you proliferate a bunch of those and you are making an army slowly and right. i respect it again it's a it's a, it's a little much but you know i think it is worth the work it's it will require some patience but i think that it will pay us off but that's what we've got going on in demir matt let's move on to rakdos so for rakdos we have blim comedic genius which is two in black and a red for a legendary imp with flying of four three and whenever blim comedic genius deals combat damage to a player that player gains control of target permanent you control then that player loses life and discards cards equal to the number of permanents they control but do not own uh so this is uh it, you're giving away all of your permanents which is something that it's kind of weird kind of you usually don't think well i want to be giving my stuff to other players uh, it's not something you would typically probably want to be doing, but Blim finds a way to do that, uh, whether it's demonic lore or maybe even like immortal coil. Mm. There's quite a few little tips and tricks that you can pull out with Blim that your typical Rakdos commander is not looking to do. Yeah, no other Rakdos deck wants to run Immortal Coil naturally. That's a card that says if there are no cards in your graveyard, you lose the game. But Blim will give those cards away to other players. It's like a, a version of Zedru the Greathearted, only a lot meaner. Um, and usually Rakdos is mean in completely different ways, by just beating you in the face or using a bunch of things that are Punisher and make people lose life. But in this case, it's a lot cleverer. It's very tricksy, and I totally respect that for the Rakdos stuff too. So yeah, pretty straightforward stuff there. I think even if we hadn't run this report, we'd probably be able to tell that Blim is pretty unique compared to other Rakdos commanders. But now that moves us on to Gruul. And fun thing for Gruul, we actually have a tie for the most unique Gruul commanders, which is itself 
not necessarily unique. Uh, the commanders here are Gallia of the Endless Dance and Halar the Fire Fletcher. So starting with Halar the Fire Fletcher, actually, this is the Gruul Commander 3-mana three 3-3 three, three with Trample that cares about when you cast Kicked Spells. Whenever you cast a Kicked Spell, you get plus one counters onto Halar, and then they deal damage to each of your opponents equal to the number of counters that are on them. So this is a Kicker deck, and there aren't going to be a lot of other Kicker Gruul Commanders. Gallia of the Endless Dance, meanwhile, is a 2-mana two 2-2 two, two Seder with Haste that pumps up your other Seders, and whenever you attack with three or more creatures, you may discard a card at random, and then you draw two cards. And so here we also see something that is going to be unique compared to other Ghoul Commanders too, that there's going to be a Seder Tribal deck here, basically. There aren't too many Seders in existence, necessarily. You're kind of resigned to cards that are obscure, like Skola Grove Dancer, for example, but it is still not necessarily the usual Gruul Go Smash that we often see for red and green. And this is particularly an important point you made there, Joey, about things you don't see in red and green, because Gruul commanders tend to be pretty stompy <laughs> and relatively straightforward to doing things with like trample or or you know increasing the the damage or power of a creature. So it makes sense that these two kind of stand out uniquely because they're asking you to do things that most gruel decks really aren't doing. Mm-hmm. Um, in talking about like doing things that aren't normal in in a traditional color pair, Tulsimir Friend to Wolves is our Selesnia commander with the most uniqueness. Uh, Tulsimir is an elf scout, a 3-3, that enters a battlefield creating Volja Friend to Elves, a legendary 3-3 green and white wolf creature token. And whenever a wolf enters the battlefield under your control, you gain three life, and that creature fights one target creature you don't control. Uh, so Tulsimir's asking you to more or less play a bunch of wolves. Again, this is a repeating theme, but we'll say it again. <laughs> That's just not something any deck really is asking you to do, let alone one in Selesnia. Just run a bunch of wolves. Yeah, it's kind of a narrow tribe that hasn't really been fleshed out too much. So when you, you know you're getting like your your one wolf a year, you get pretty specific. <laughs> Nobody else is really playing around with that. So yeah, it 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 adds up on why Tulsmir is playing all these unique cards that yeah, it's not a tribe that Slesnia usually does a whole lot with. If if Mr. Slesnia Matt Morgan isn't playing Wolf Tribal, it I must would be know. kind of obscure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would even know what Slesnia tends to be doing. And Wolf Tribal, not too common. Yeah, I was just going to say, although then again, I feel like this could be the type of deck that does still get some benefit from the usual things that we like to see in Selesnya. Like you are making a bunch of wolf tokens in this deck, most likely. So the classic parallel lives and other token doublers are going to assist you a lot there that I, I would expect. So it is still the type of deck that I think could be supported by a lot of those staples. But when it comes to a niche tribe, those are certainly going to make you stand out from amongst the crowd. Um, Matt, is there any chance that you, Mr. Selesnya, will go to this unique version of Selesnya? Or are you happy with your already stompies? I'm happy with my already stompies because I, I have three different versions of those stompies now. So true. So, so I don't, I mean, who knows? I, I may need a fourth Selesnia deck down the road. It, <laughs> one, No one can tell. I, I don't have, I don't have soothsaying. I don't have a telling time in real life. Yeah. So I, yeah, I got, I got to go with the cards. Yeah, and I at one point may need an 18th Golgari deck. It's it's hard to say. You can never really tell what's going on. You, you never know. You never know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, moving on now to Orzov. I was really pleased to see this one. Our next, our most unique commander here for Orzov is Killian Ink Duelist from Strixhaven. And this is the Orzov commander. He's a 2-2 and he makes spells that target creatures a lot cheaper. And this is an awesome thing to see for Orzov. I think we typically associate Orzov with a lot of the aristocrat stuff going on, sometimes even to 
tokens and especially sacrificing tokens and also a bunch of life gain. But Killian is standing up from amongst the crowd by instead being basically a really great Voltron because auras that you attach to Killian are going to cost less mana. And fun fact, a lot of your removal spells are also going to cost less mana when you're using them to kill your enemy stuff. So that's pretty rad. You can even get away with not just playing auras that are a bit more unique in Orzov, but also removal spells that would naturally be a lot more expensive and therefore the type of spells that you aren't going to see in other Orzov decks. And Killian's like, nah, for me, they're just like two mana instead of four. So I'm going to play a whole lot more of them. Yeah, the biggest problem with Utter End was it cost four mana. So it's good to see that costing two. That feels feels real nice. <laughs> I mean, also spending just one mana for a generous gift, like that right. probably yeah. puts Ooh. it in pretty serious category for being a, a one of the better removal spells. But even then, Angelic Destiny for just two white, Ooh. that's pretty potent. I would say maybe <laughs> even like pretty sweet. Yeah. But then you also get to reduce the cost of like your your bestow spells. You're seeing a lot of those bestow mechanics from back in Born of the Gods, the original Theros block, which is actually kind of a funny interaction, but also very powerful. Mm, I do like that too. Orzov, Killian, Killian, you're killing it. You're you're All right. you forced that so much like I'm forcing us to talk about Agar the Freezing Flame, which is our is it entry into this list. <laughs> Hide my head in shame. All right, go ahead, Matt. <laughs> so so Agar the Freezing Flame is the like I said, the is it uh, giant wizard that we're going to talk about for being the most unique uh, one in is it colors for a three three giant wizard. Whenever a creature or planeswalker an opponent controls is dealt excess damage. If a giant wizard or spell you controlled dealt damage to it this turn, you draw a card. Uh, you don't see a lot of giant tribal, especially in is it colors, because uh, that just doesn't get fleshed out a whole lot. But here we are talking about the uh, the 896 decks currently playing uh, 26 total unique cards because you don't have a whole lot of giants in in blue, especially maybe like Frost Titan. That's about it. So yeah, you you, you have a fairly shallow card pool, but you're also doing something fairly specific. Uh, you want to be doing the damage with all these different things. So yeah, it's. It's just not a great card pool to pull from because you've gotten very, very little giant support over the years. Yeah, Matt, honestly, if anything, I expected Agar's uniqueness number to be higher than just 26 unique cards that show up in the average Agar deck that don't show up in other it decks because... Like, is it is the spell slinger stuff? It's usually playing a bunch of the big instants and the big sorceries. And Agar is over here with a little bit of spell synergy, but mostly it's all about the giants. This is an unequivocally giant tribal commander deck, um, according to all of the data that we're seeing. So if anything, I would have expected that uniqueness score to be a little bit higher. Yeah, it's just such a weird kind of mechanic. You you want to be dealing excess damage, but it's got to be with your, your giants, your wizards, or your spells. So yeah... It's a little all over the place, but also a little super specific with all how all over the place it is. Well, up next, we'll go over to the Golgari uh, color pairing. The most unique commander here is Belby Corrupted Observer. Uh, 25 unique cards on average in the 1,800 different Belby decks we have in the database, which is also a pretty impressive number. Yeah. Um, Belby is a zombie elf. It says at the beginning of each player's post-combat main phase... That player adds two colorless men to their pool for each of your opponents who lost a life this turn. So it affects everyone at the table, but presumably Belby's deck will be built in a way that will best take advantage of that mana. Um, yeah, that I mean, it, it's a, a green-black um, deck that's probably running things like artifact creatures or Eldrazi to, to best mm. utilize all of that colorless mana. 
And that's just not something you're doing in, in Golgari, really, the colors most known for playing around in the graveyard. This just doesn't care about the graveyard. It's just probably casting things that require a good amount of colorless mana. And that that's not at all surprisingly unique to this pairing. Yeah, this is a, a, a non-shrine deck that is unironically playing a shrine, Sanctum of Stone Fangs, which will make your opponents lose life and therefore get you a bunch of mana with Belby. This is not a zombie tribal deck, and yet it is a deck that is playing Shepherd of Rot, which you can tap to make your opponents lose life equal to the number of zombies that you have, which works with your commander, works with the Shepherd of Rot itself, but mostly is just there because technically what that is doing for you is tapping for like six mana so that you can cheat out one of those huge artifact creatures or Eldrazi that you'll be running as your mana sink payoff. This is, you know what, honestly, I, I see why there are over 1800 decks in the database for Belby, this might have to be my 18th Golgari deck now that I think about it. This is some spicy stuff. Yeah, it's definitely a very interesting commander. Um, I, it's dangerous too, which I guess makes it interesting as well. Like you, you can find yourself in a position where you're inadvertently helping everyone else more than you're helping yourself. Mm. But but that that's maybe a problem sometimes, but it also adds kind of a little interesting bit of flavor to that deck as well. So um, yeah, very cool commander. Yeah, I am all about it. Moving from Golgari to Boros, our most unique Boros commander is unchanged from the last time we pulled this report. It is Depala Pilot Exemplar, a commander that has over 1,300 decks to its name and 34 of the cards that show up in its average deck tend to be very unique to this Boros commander. Depala Pilot Exemplar is the Boros Dwarf Tribal and Vehicle Tribal deck. Other dwarves you control get plus one, plus one. Each vehicle you control gets plus one, plus one as long as it is a creature. And and whenever Depala Pilot Exemplar becomes tapped, you can pay mana to reveal the top X cards of your library, and you get some dwarves and vehicles from among those top cards into your hand with the rest of the cards going to the bottom of the library in a random order. And... All right, I might be a little bit sassy about this, but, you know, since so many of the other commanders in Boros are doing equipment and aggro things, it isn't a surprise that this remains a unique commander because Boris as a color combination was a little bit ill-served in terms of deck diversity for so long. So it's nice to see that Depala is still the most unique Boros commander, but I would like for that to keep changing. I would like for the data to be influenced more as Boros discovers more about itself in the future. I think that's the best way for me to say it. Well, also, you're, you're dealing with two card types that aren't particularly good in Commander. Dwarves haven't had a whole lot of support, and even when they do, nothing's really blown us away. And, and vehicles are a very new card type. And so the more that we kind of explore, there's a few of them that are that are Dece, Dece Plus. But yeah, the, <laughs> there, there's not just not a ton of very, very powerful like, must-play type of cards outside of Dwarf and vehicle-specific decks. Dece plus is the best grading system I've ever heard in my life. Matt, I am stealing that from you. Well, yeah, it's, I, I have a good idea right now and then. So if we can start adopting that as our power <laughs> level conversations, like rule zero, how's your deck? Eh, it's Dece plus. Dece, yeah, it's, it's Dece. Mine's more of a Dece minus, so I might switch to a different commander option. There you go, there you go. That's, that's terrific, that's terrific. Uh, Matt, take us to our last two color pairing. Tell us about the most unique Simic commander. So the most unique Simic commander is going to be Verizol the Split Current, which is X in Simic colors, so a green and a blue. For a legendary serpent, it's a 0-0 that says when Verizol Split Current enters the battlefield... Uh, with a plus one, plus one counter on it for each mana spent to cast it. And then whenever you cast a kicked spell, you may remove two plus one, plus one counters from Verizal. If you do, you copy that spell and you may choose new targets for the copy. 
So Verizal comes in with 769 decks so far uh, with 37 unique cards, one of the higher numbers that we're going to kind of be talking about here. And it's kind of in that same situation with uh, Halar that we talked about where you're dealing with a very specific mechanic with Kicker. So you're kind of forced and shoehorned into this thing that the color combination isn't really doing otherwise outside of this one specific legendary creature. What's even more impressive about this card is this isn't even a real magic card. Like This is something somebody just made up randomly on a custom creation form. So um, <laughs> what? To, to have to have gotten so many decks out there, that's very impressive. Wow. I don't... <laughs> I mean, it is a pretty nice number. Like, I, I, I do get that. Yeah. Are you just surprised because it's a Simic Commander that isn't exclusively about drawing cards and ramping? This was like, that was basically the set where there started being so many com- new uh, legends every set where that I just don't remember half them existing at this point. Yeah. I, I do respect that Verizal actually does seem to care more about the kicked cards themselves compared to Halar. Yes. Halar, it feels like it could be just a, a commander that has a bunch of plus one counters on it, and then you cast any kicked spell, doesn't matter what it is, the cheaper the better to get the damage trigger going off there. Whereas Verizal actually cares about the spells that you are copying, so that is kind of nice. I feel like the strategy is actually a bit more um, fleshed out within that particular deck compared, but they're both still really fun strategies. Both of those are really neat, but definitely the type of thing that is going to be unique compared to other options that those commanders are usually up to because yes simic does have a certain habit about its card draw and its mirror ramp uh, predilections when it comes to its legendary creatures as we all know so let's just move on let's move away from the two color pairs now and we are talking about the most unique mono colored legends this time starting with white and starting off here we have lin civi defiant hero as the most unique mono white commander it is a three mana one three rebel legend and it's basically a rebel tribal deck it can search a library for rebel cards and it can also uh, pay three mana and put target rebel card from your graveyard on the bottom of your library so that Lin Civi can go and find those rebels again. There are about 209 Lin Civi decks in the database right now, and they run 29 cards that are unique to that deck compared to other mono white commanders. So, uh, Go go rebels! Star Wars reference goes here. Well, and am I doing it right? N- you're you're it not, right. and it's actually kind of funny <laughs> that in Commander, it's one of the most unique mono white commanders. But if you would tell any paper boomer that used to play Standard back in the day when this was a Standard card, <laughs> it came from the least original. Uh, standard decks because people play Lin Civi because the old legend rule that means only one of those things could be in play so they'd play Lin Civi to c- uh, kill other people's Lin Civis. Oh man. Uh, that's how standard went. So saying it's a unique card in a unique deck would blow a few minds. <laughs> so Dana, I'm sorry to well, blow your mind. <laughs> no, yeah, it, it blew it, but but talk about minds being blown here looking at the the most unique mono blue commander um, it's from back when Magic crossed over with Mortal Kombat and Urza <laughs> stole the Raiden's hat. And we have a Blind Seer um, being the, the most unique legendary creature. Blind Seer is two blue-blue um, for a 3-3 three, three, and it has the ability one in a blue. Target spell or permanent becomes the color of your choice until end of turn. And yes, that is indeed Urza uh, on that card back when he was masquerading as a Mortal Kombat character. Um yeah, 24 unique cards in the 202 Blind Seer decks we have. And basically, it's using things like Painter Servant to turn every single thing into the same color. So cards like Insight that draw you cards when a spell of a certain color is cast draw you cards of every spell. 
Yeah, this is such a unique strategy. There's stuff like hibernation and washout that let you mess around like you'll bounce cards of a certain color and Blindseer can make those cards certain colors and then you can just control the board by controlling the different colors that things happen to be. Uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm reeling still because this is, a, back when creatures were still typelined as creature dash legend instead of legendary creature dash like creature subtypes and stuff like that like it doesn't even read it initially as a legendary creature to me because of the way that it's templated there just in the typeline so this is a really funny strategy but you know what again i gotta pay some respect here because there's actually some really cool tricks happening it's not just a like as a niche strategy goes it actually is pulling off some cool stuff because there are also cards like willbender or dismiss into dream on this card's page and those things can gain you control of stuff when you target them with random abilities or make your opponents sacrifice stuff when you target them with random abilities and again the commander becomes a really cool force for removal right there in the uh in the command zone and that that is admittedly pretty clever and pretty potent well, and speaking of potent strategies, that actually brings us to our mono black entry to the list that at first, I think a lot of folks maybe found some trouble doing this, but it has only become more potenter, uh, more, most most potentest. <laughs> uh, it's it's gotten more gooder. That's what I'm saying. Uh, King more Macar, gooder. <laughs> it's King Makar the Gold Cursed is what we're seeing for the most unique mono black commander. King Makar is two black black for a legendary human. That's a two three with the inspired keyword. So whenever King Makar the Gold Cursed becomes untapped, you may exile target creature. If you do, put a colorless artifact uh, token named gold onto the battlefield and it has sacrifice this artifact to add one mana of any color to your mana pool. So when this set first came around, kind of the trick was to find a way to tap your creatures and hopefully not having to attack. Uh, you had stuff like Springleaf Drum that gave you free taps, but now we have the vehicle creature type, which is very easy to tap creatures. And so King Makar only has gotten more toys. It's easier for him to tap now, which means you can untap him much more easily and much safer these days. So we're seeing a lot of vehicles, and we see cards like Marionette Master that allow you to benefit from having a lot of gold in play. Yeah, we've got a respectable 469 decks for King Makar in the database, and in the average deck, 27 cards in King Makar's deck tend to be unique to Makar. And uh, I don't know, I guess we can't talk about this commander without making the obvious dude wears Makar joke. <laughs> that joke is older than you are, so I don't know how I feel you know about what? that. I got a slight laugh out of it, and that's what matters to me because I've been flubbing a lot of the jokes so far, but I kind of got that one, maybe. No? I, I don't think that joke was as inspired as you think it was. Hey! <laughs> ah, because it's on the card. I appreciate you, Matt. There you go. I, I appreciate you as well. I appreciate this, your effort. You're, I would call you a treasure, but he deals with gold tokens, so. Mm. Uh <laughs> mm. Dana, can you just talk about Mono Red, please? I can't. Take, take um, this from us. <laughs> I, I, I can and, and probably have to at this point. The, <laughs> yes. <laughs> the most unique Mono Red commander is Magda Brazen Outlaw. Uh, 2,500 decks with 18 unique cards in these decks. And, and Magda is basically a treasure maker that cares about dwarves. So when a dwarf attacks, you or dwarf is tapped, excuse me, you make a treasure. Magda is also one of the most popular Mono Red commanders. And there's a few different build paths here. You can, you know, build a deck that cares about dwarves or one that cares about treasures or one that cares about tutoring up artifacts or dragons, I suppose. But those aren't necessarily things that you normally associate with mono red anyway. So 
basically whatever build path you choose to go down with Magna is probably going to look a little bit different than most other mono red decks. This this actually surprises me. I feel like treasures and especially, you know, dragons and even artifacts are themselves going to be those feel like classic red stuff to to me at least, but the the ways of acquiring those treasures must be unique compared to the things that other mono red decks are doing. Yeah, I think they are classic red things, but I think the way this deck wants to do them is maybe a little bit different than you traditionally see in a red deck mm-hmm. that cares about dragons or that cares about treasures. That's that's a really good way to to phrase it. I, w- I would say, yeah, this one did kind of surprise me, and I think it's important to note that again, this is one of the more popular mono red commanders out there, and this is a good distinction for us to make. Like, even if it is not necessarily unique at the EDH tables, it is still a unique build path compared to other mono red decks, and that's a good distinction for us to keep in mind. And to wrap things up with our monocolor legendaries, we actually have two that we're going to talk about here in the mono green category. With 22 unique cards each, we have Ayula, Queen Among Bears, and then Nylea, Keen-Eyed. So Ayula, Queen Among Bears is the legendary bear that cares all about having bears. Uh, she can barely contain her excitement for having so many bears <laughs> in the deck. Whereas Nylea, Keen-Eyed is from Theros Beyond Death, uh, where it's all about reducing the cost on your creature spells. And then you can actually pay two in, re- uh, two in a green to reveal a top card of your library. If it's a creature card, you just put it into your hand. Otherwise, you put it into your graveyard. So they're both doing very, very different things. But also, uh, there's just kind of not a whole lot of overlap. We have a very specific tribe with Ayula, whereas Nylea kind of looking for the mono green graveyard filtering out. Uh, so both doing fairly different strategies there. Nylea's page actually really surprised and impressed me. Like going further down to see the cards that show up in Nylea's average deck, there's a pretty cool strategy happening here. Since Nylea has the ability to reduce the cost of the creature spells that you cast, what these decks tend to play a lot of are creatures like Endless One or inquisitive puppet or ginger brute all of these like one cost creatures that therefore with nylea's cost reduction you could cast for free so then when you use a bunch of different things that will draw you cards when you play creature spells like a beast whisperer for example you can just chain through your deck a whole bunch just really really easily by turning all of your creatures into zero drops so i was surprised to see that another mono green deck would be you know, contending with a unique tribe like bears, for example, because again, that's a niche tribe. But this strategy is also very specific, very particular. And honestly, I wasn't entirely expecting it, but I do respect it now that I see it. Those are both two commanders that are doing things that just isn't replicated very often in green. And and I agree with you, Joey, the Nylea inclusion is not one I ever would have guessed. And once I've looked at that list, that's really, really interesting for sure. Yeah, I don't I don't think even morph decks are playing Keeper of the Lens, but here we are talking about it in a mono <laughs> yeah. green deck. Uh, yeah. Welcome to 2022, everybody. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Okay, we've gone through a whole bunch of those, but that's been a lot of data. So what we need to do right now is pause, take a break from the data, and instead talk about some more data. Let's take a break for <laughs> Challenge the Stats. What do you guys say? Challenge the Stats is an awesome segment here on the podcast where we take a look at all of the different stats on the website that we don't necessarily agree with because sometimes cards see too much or too little play. So we'd love to challenge those statistics. Matt, do you mind starting us off this week with your challenge? So my challenge this week is going to be looking at Kamigawa Neon Dynasty and that set. There's all sorts of just very, very powerful cards, but... I'm going to talk about the 44th most most played card in the set. And typically you might think, Matt, why are you talking about some card that's like barely in the top 50 of the set? Well, because 
this card is actually one of the few times that we get a strictly better version of a card that has over 40,000 decks to its name. So the card I'm going to talk about is Secluded Courtyard. Uh, this is a land that says when it enters the battlefield, you choose a creature type. You can tap it for a colorless mana, or you can tap it to add one mana of any color, and you spend this mana only to cast a creature spell of the chosen type or the activated ability uh, of a creature or creature card of the chosen type. So this card is only showing up so far in about 3,000 decks. Not too many. It's a fairly new card. Hasn't had a whole lot of time to catch on. But this has some very, very strong parallels to the card Unclaimed Territory that has quite a few decks to its name. Uh, it's been in several pre-cons, and it's a fantastic tribal card. So Unclaimed Territory is roughly the same. Uh, choose uh, As Unclaimed Territory enters the battlefield, you choose a creature type. You can tap to add a colorless, or you can add one mana of any color, and you spend this mana only to cast a creature spell of the chosen type. So Secluded Courtyard has both, you know, the, kind of the, the c command tower for all of your creature colors, uh, whatever tribe you're putting it into, but you can use it to activate a creature abilities that you need color or colored mana for. So whether you're playing with zombies, for example, you have cards like Lord of the Accursed, or you're playing humans and you have Catilda Dawnheart Prime, those have activated abilities that required colored mana. And if you're playing fairly tight with your mana bases there, you're gonna be wanting to find room for this card. Uh, you have just these small little edge bonuses. There's precedent in unclaimed territory being in so many dang cards. That's occluded courtyard. As soon as we see another heavy tribal set come out or heavy tribal pre-constructed cycle, uh, for those pre-constructed decks. Secluded Courtyard is just going to be one that you want to make sure you have several copies of, and it's already $3. Uh, it's just a very, very powerful card, so you want to make sure you're getting these now while they're still relatively cheap because they're probably going to get more expensive because people are going to be wanting to put them in a lot of tribal decks. That's a very interesting one. You're right. If if, if the Unclaimed Territory is going to show up in near 50,000 decks, then Secluded Courtyard ought to be right behind it. That is a... a an effect that we clearly have demand for. I like this challenge a lot, Matt. Very well spotted. Don't let that card get buried within the, the data for Neon Dynasty. Uh, I'll move on to my challenge now uh, here. And I'm talking about a kind of weird card. Uh, Fangren Marauder is my challenge for this week. A six mana five five beast that says whenever an artifact is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, you may gain five life. And this is basically pretty akin to a previous challenge I've done for the card Viridian Revel, which is a green enchantment that says whenever an artifact is put into the graveyard from play, you can draw a card and this is basically along the same veins of hey treasures are an enormous force in edh right now so if you want to incidentally gain say 25 life whenever your opponent is sacrificing a bunch of treasures because of all of the treasures that for example their dockside extortionist is making um this is actually a not insubstantial amount of life to gain specifically there are some commanders that actually do care very much about not just artifact tokens but also the act of gaining life such as guillaume master chef which only 35 percent of guillaume decks are currently playing fangren marauder and since fangren marauder itself shows up in less than a thousand decks i don't know it just seems like kind of a cool thing that does sort of respond to the the huge prevalence of artifact tokens that are now in the format. And this could be worth a look if you are interested in accidentally gaining a bunch of life whenever your opponents are using such a new staple token type in the format. Well, our last pick here uh, is also token-based. This is coming from Nick Bundy, who you can find on Twitter at Nick S.E. Bundy. And the card that Nick wants to challenge here is Body of Research in Essex Fractal Bloom decks. Uh, Essex is a commander that... 
is is a um, fractal with flying. And the first time you would create one or more tokens during each of your turns, you may instead choose a creature other than SX Fractal Bloom and create that many tokens that are copies of that creature. And Body of Research, uh, create a zero, zero green and blue fractal creature token and put X plus one plus one counters on it where X is a number of cards in your library. Um, body of research will still put the plus one counters on the token that Essex will make into a copy of something else. So whatever you wind up making that token into a copy of, <laughs> all the plus one counters still fall onto it with body of research. Oh, It's currently only in 14% of the Essex decks. And that card's an absolute blowout in a lot of cases on its own, let alone when you're putting them onto some other giant degenerate creature that might be showing up in your Essex deck. That is a very silly synergy. So instead of getting the, the zero zero or or whatever, Essex is gonna be like, no, you've you've got some other creature that is also plus sixty-five, plus sixty-five, just Wow, didn't expect that, but uh, Nick, well done. This is a very funny challenge. If that happens to me during an EDH game, I'm going to be so happy. That's delightful. Yeah, you can wind up like putting, you know, 70 counters on your Sage of Hours or something and just <laughs> take all of the turns. Yeah, there, there's just a lot of different weird ways you can go with it. Um, but again, it's it's one of those cards where if you're just casting it on its own, it's still making you a ginormous creature. So by itself it's great and if you're using the Essex ability it's that much better I, I totally agree with Nick this should be in more decks I love that Simic design has gotten to the point where a card like Body of Research which makes a big creature dependent on how many cards are left in your library like Simic is really at that point where it actually is like huh, you know what it might only be like a 10-10 because I've drawn all of the cards in my library already you know right yeah <laughs> seems to be where, where we're at that is the balancing act of things I don't know I'm being a little facetious how about instead we just move into our main topic let's go on to our three color commanders now and see what are the most unique three color commanders in the format starting with Esper, and we're starting off with, funnily enough, Oloro, the Ageless Ascetic. There are 4,000 plus Oloro decks in the database, and Oloro decks tend to contain 31 unique cards compared to other Esper decks. So again, really popular commander here, but what other Esper deck is doing life gain stuff here? Like, it's a very classic strategy. It's actually a very popular strategy, but not in the context of Esper design. Esper design these days is all artifacts, enchantments, flying tokens. Oloro is the only life gain Esper commander, so he's unique almost by accident, it feels like. Yeah, unique by, by the way of... Esper decks don't really do what Alora was doing anymore. That's mostly reserved for the Orzov decks these days. So yeah, or Alora was ahead and or be behind the times, <laughs> yeah. uh, depending on how you want to put it. Because um, just blue doesn't do a whole lot with with gaining life anymore. More of the control strategy or artifact strategies. Yeah, you're you're totally right, Joey. Yeah, it's very interesting stuff. So I mean, that's quick and easy for Esper. Matt, do you want to move us on to Grixis? Who's the most unique Grixis commander these days? I'm. I would be so cheery and excited to do this. I'll do this happily to talk about <laughs> Lind, Cheerful Tormentor, uh, which is one in Grixis for a legendary human warlock with two four with death touch. Uh, whenever a curse is put into your graveyard from the battlefield, you return it to the battlefield attached to you at the beginning of the next end step, and then at the beginning of your upkeep, you may attach a curse attached to you to one of your opponents and if you do you draw two cards so 
Right off the bat, we know exactly why Lind Cheerful Tormentor is so unique, and that's because it's dealing with a very, very specific card type again, much like a lot of these other commanders that we've mentioned on the show today. Uh, dealing with curses specifically in Grixis Colors, that Grixis Colors don't really do a whole lot with enchantments to begin with, and so the fact that we have one that deals with not just enchantments, but a specific type of enchantment, that's exactly why we're seeing such a high uniqueness score. Uh, 43 unique cards are showing up on Lynn's page compared to the average Grixis commander. Up next, we can take a look at the Jund commanders here. Um, Thantus the Warweaver is the most unique Jund commander. Mm. 1,800 decks with 36 unique cards. Thantus is a spider, 5-5 uh, five, five Vigilance and Reach, that says all creatures attack each combat if able. And whenever a creature attacks you or a Planeswalker you control, you put a plus one counter on Thantus. So there's a lot of spiders and a lot of gold-like effects looking at Thantis decks, which aren't things you associate at all with the usual Jund kind of heavy aggro creature beady facey kind of decks we see. <laughs> I think this was actually named by designers at Wizards of the Coast as a commander that they kind of regret because it came in a landfall Jund precon, but it had nothing to do with landfall and in that deck it was out of place and it does seem as though that is also true for jund as a color combination in general it is doing different stuff um even from the very first moment that it hit the ground running it was being a bit more unique um nowadays we have gotten more goad stuff especially in rakdos colors so i'm excited to see more of this style i love the force combat stuff that's going on so thantis gets a thumbs up from me or eight thumbs up because you know spider <laughs> uh but yeah it is interesting just seeing how this commander arrived has carried a lot of reputation with it as a result of that, maybe. Yeah, I, th this was definitely a commander that was poorly served by the deck it was in. Yes. I could see a whole different, a, a different precon it showed up in that cared about things like goat or cared about things like spiders, where it really like catches people's eye. But because of the deck it was in, it didn't do that. I mean, this this commander almost could be its own face commander for a deck because it's a yeah, super sure. unique ability, super unique card. I. I like it, but yeah, you, it was very much disserviced by the pre-constructed deck that it came in. Mm -hmm. uh, moving on now from Jund to Naya, the most unique Naya commander we're seeing is the most adorable one, Rin and Sari Inseparable, which have over 3,200 decks to their name and 35 unique cards in their average deck compared to other Naya commanders. Rin and Sari make you dog tokens when you cast cats, they make you cat tokens when you cast dogs. And the fun fact here is that if you play Changelings, which are both cats and dogs, then you get both. So this is actually a weird dual tribal deck that also has a lot of changelings in the 99 here as well. And that definitely sets it apart from a lot of other Naya commanders. Yeah, the changelings to maximize the amount of dogs and cats that you can be casting with Rin and Sari. It makes sense. There isn't any really specific tribal in Naya colors, at least. Uh, you get some more open-ended decks with that. So having, again, specific tribes, it just I feel like we're repeating ourselves quite a bit with that line, but <laughs> it applies to a lot of commanders that are we're, we're going over this episode. Well, then how about instead of specific tribes, we go with some specific keywords. And Matt, do you want to tell us about... Listen, I know I say Bant, but you would say it Bant. So do you want to bant. tell us about the, the Bant commander uh, that is the most unique? I surely will. Um, I'll defend this color combination <laughs> and my weight or my right to say Bant. Uh, with Arcades the Strategist, that is the commander that is the most unique among all Bant 
commanders <laughs> uh, <laughs> playing about 40 cards on average that are unique to Arcades specifically. Um, this cares about defenders specifically. So it has uh, one in uh, Bant colors for a 3-5 Elder Dragon with Flying and Vigilance. Whenever a creature with Defender enters the battlefield under your control, you draw a card. And then each creature you control with Defender assigns combat damage equal to its toughness rather than its power and can attack as though it didn't have Defender. So a very, very specific keyword, but you also get a lot of creatures that I don't think a lot of people would really be playing otherwise. <laughs> uh, you have some some fairly big creatures like Wall of Denial. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, I, I know Joey was in denial earlier, as in <gasps> swimming in that river. But, hey, we but got the, there. <laughs> but there's also Overgrown Battlement, uh, very, very commonly played, but it's not really played a lot outside of Arcades decks, just period, because you want a lot of creatures with a defender, and you're not doing that unless you have an Arcades deck, really. Well, and connected to this, when we move from Bont to Obzon, we will never hear the end of it. I know I pronounce things weird, I'm sorry. Uh, but the most unique Obzon commander is Doran the Siege Tower. Again, a toughness matters type of deck here where creatures are using their toughness to fight instead of using their power to fight. And these are, I feel like, kind of still slightly unexplored territories. We've gotten these commanders that do allow you to do that type of, of design and you get to play huge big tree folks with big butts and stuff and then that, that's awesome but i don't know i can see why it might be the type of design that is hesitant to explore too much because it does every time i see one of these commanders hit the field it i have to like think real hard about the numbers that are on the field because the numbers are lying to me because mm-hmm. the power doesn't matter anymore it's just the toughness so it is actually difficult to get used to but if they do explore it more that would be kind of interesting to see but yeah Doran the siege tower has over 1300 decks to its name and 25 unique cards in a Doran deck compared to other Obzon commanders, and I just like seeing the simil- uh, similarities between what we've got going on with Arcades and with what we've got going on with Doran. Uh, moving on to the Jeskai color combination here, um, the most unique commander is also the goat here. Um, <laughs> it is the greatest of all time, I'm, for really, sure. I really, really wanted to do this bit. Um, <laughs> Zedru the Greathearted, um, at the beginning of your upkeep, you gain X life and draw X cards, where X is the number of permanents you own that your opponents control. And you can activate an ability for Jeskai Colors. Target opponent gains control of target permanent you control. So... This deck just tends to run a bunch of things that you wouldn't normally want to have under your control and then gifts them to somebody else like the worst possible Christmas present you've ever gotten. <laughs> so, yeah, that's it's running cards that no one else wants to run because they don't want to have their abilities in the battlefield. And, and Zedru is the exception to that rule because it's not going to have them for long. It's giving them away. It's a lot like what we saw with Blim Comedic yes. Genius earlier. We've got the aggressive minings. We've got stuff like illusions of grandeur, these things that have negative downsides, but your opponents are going to have to deal with them, and the whole time you will be drawing cards. And you can build it politically, too, if you want to. This might be a nicer deck than Blim. If you want it to be, otherwise, you can just totally punish your opponents by giving them stuff. It's it's a bad presence, and I'm sure that they won't mind uh, receiving bad presence whatsoever. Well, and coming up next, we have our Sultai uh, inclusion here on the list. We have Kadena Slinking Sorcerer, which is one in Sultai colors for a legendary Naga Wizard uh, coming in a 3-3. And the first face-down creature spell you cast, each turn costs three colorless mana less to cast. And whenever a face-down creature enters the battlefield under, you con- under your control, you draw a card. So Kadena Slinking Sorcerer has 2,600 decks to their name with 48 unique cards. And a fun fact, that's actually how many face-down creatures you can cast in the color combination anyways. So <laughs> it's a very unique little little stat there for you for Trivia Night. 
Wow. Yeah, so we're seeing Kadena again here. This was the like number one least amount of variants as we saw in our previous episode. And Kadena is also the most unique of the Sultai commanders because this is a very niche mechanic. And I think that that tells us a lot about the fact that these niches can make you, you know, very unique, can certainly make a deck stand out, but then also can sometimes uh, dictate a lot of the card choices that can be played in that deck as a result of that. And it's a very interesting push and pull for players to decide their comfort level with and for designers to navigate as they're making interesting and new niche commander types for different color combinations. Well, we just talked about Kadena not that long ago on a, on a previous show. So let's move on to the Mardu commander with the most unique decks. Um, Lycia, 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 um, Sanguine Tribune, 962 decks with 25 unique cards. And... This is a commander that that cares about life totals and life gain in uh, Mardu colors. This one is actually a little bit surprising. That that doesn't seem like something so far outside of Mardu's wheelhouse, at least definitely not outside of White and Black's wheelhouse. Um, Yeah. But it's so focused, I'm assuming, uh, on that one specific thing that we are seeing – um, the most unique spread of cards here among any of the commanders. This one does surprise me. Uh, 25 unique cards for Leisha decks. It feels like, I don't know, a commander like Piru the Volatile is also a Mardu commander that can cause a whole bunch of life gain. And I am surprised to see that this isn't something that is explored a bit more just kind of almost by accident in Mardu. But I guess a lot of the other Mardu stuff that we have tends to be a bit more committed to doing some big stompy or aggressive stuff even if it is lower to the ground um that does kind of leave uh this Lycia deck Lycia deck um a, a bit more unique just it, it, again it almost feels like this one's an accident even though the strategy at its core is popular in black and white maybe i guess not for mardu well and it's kind of like what we talked about with Aloro, where esper doesn't do a whole lot of life gain but orzov does which is why you have a loro that's fairly unique mm. same thing with lycia because i can make up a pronunciation for her name too uh, <laughs> we're yeah, bad at this we're sorry yeah, <laughs> yeah but but also boros has a lot of equipments uh, that, that type of strategy too uh white and black doesn't really do anything outside of the aristocrats or the life gain strategies so merging them together it, it I understand why there would only be um, Lycia standing out in the, the the crowd of Mardu commanders when it comes to life gain. The equipment note there that you mentioned as well, that actually explains quite a lot too, because this is a commander that you can suit up and protect a whole lot, which is a slightly different style compared to some of the other uh, Mardu commanders that tend to be a lot more army based or they care about having lots more creatures. And this one is probably a bit more of a solo artist instead. So that actually explains quite a lot, I think. That makes a lot of sense. Um, moving from Mardu then to our last three color combination, Teamer. This one is very interesting to me. I was a little bit surprised when I saw it, but I actually really liked to see that Yasova Dragonclaw is our most unique teamer commander. There are a little over 700 Yasova Dragonclaw decks in the database right now, and they tend, uh, Yasova Dragonclaw's average deck tends to contain about 25 unique cards compared to other teamer commanders, and Yasova Dragonclaw is that three mana, four, two human warrior with trample, and at the beginning of combat on your turn, you can pay three mana, including some is it hybrid mana, which allows this to be a three color commander, and if you 
you do, you gain control of target creature and opponent controls with power less than Yasova's power until end of turn. You untap it and it gains haste. So you get to temporarily steal an opponent's commander. And this is fascinating to see what players are doing with this ability. Because the whole deck is full of cards like Captivating Crew or Dominus of Fealty that also allow you to steal stuff from your opponents. But then it's also full of stuff like Neoform and Prime Speaker Vanifar or Life's Legacy. These cards that then allow you to sacrifice the stuff that you stole from your opponents for extra benefit to go and find stuff out of your deck or draw a bunch of cards. So this is like teamer thievery, and that is completely unlike everything that we see the rest of the teamer color combo doing. Yeah, that's very unique um, in that particular color pair as well. And and yeah, this is a commander I'd also kind of forgotten about. It was a kind of a, I guess, something people talked about a lot back in the day, but I have not seen a Yosova Dragon Claw deck in a long time. And once you see it showing up on this list, it makes sense considering uh, what a kind of specialized bit of tech this card tends to use that other teamer decks are definitely not using. Yeah, teamer is a color combination that is so weird to me. I can never get a, a hold on it, whether it wants to be creature-based or spell-based, but like stealing my opponent's stuff and then sacrificing it, I'm all about that. This is a teamer commander I can fully get behind. And uh, just it makes me happy. I feel like I finally found a commander I would be interested in for teamer. Uh, so yeah, c- congrats to Yasova on that one. I'm, I'm very impressed. This is a very nifty strategy. So we've we've covered the the color combinations. Let's maybe move on to the lack of color combination, colorless commander <laughs> here. Um, sure. And the four color decks have been excluded here from our stats because the partner decks are just all over the place in terms of the combination of different partners. There's just so many different variables, mm. and there's only. four you know, one of each of the actual true four-color commanders. Well, nitpick, there's a Kaneos and Tiro and an Omnath Locus of Creation, Dana, so... That's true. Forgot about Omnath. Good good catch, Joseph. Oh, but how are we going to measure uniqueness between two commanders, just the two? We're not. The answer is we're not. So let's move to the colorless, like you suggested. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And not that there's a ton of colorless legends either, but there's at least a few more. Um, Enough for Hope of Gearper to stand out. 445 decks and the little drone that could, um, 19 unique cards. So, I mean, it's not running things that care about Eldrazi, which that alone basically makes it stand out from the Eldrazi Titans that are the other most frequently built uh, colorless commanders. It's running a lot of equipment, things like Blackblade Reforged and Fire Shrieker, ways to turn the little 1-1 uh, that could into something that can just kill people. Well, and this... this- Hope of Gearper really gives you some hope when you see that Commander's Plate is one of the most played cards in the deck, yes. which is absolutely hilarious because it gets plus three, plus three, which is fine and all, but it has protection from each color that's not in your Commander's color identity. So if you don't have any color identity, then, well, you just get protection. <laughs> protection from. You get protection yeah, you, from <laughs> all the colors. From your friends. Yeah, yes. that's terrific. So it's... A, a little teensy thing, which just in terms of size allows it to differentiate itself. But then it is also playing equipment, which is different from all of the Eldrazi. And it's doing some clever stuff. Like, well well done, Hope of Giripur. I, I have a new hope. Haha, another Star Wars reference. Does that one work? Matt, are you shaking your head at me? I, 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 I'm shaking my head at you, of course. But I, it, it was better than your previous attempts at this show. <laughs> 
Thanks. Love you too. So let's go. <laughs> I, th I think you should gear a poor one out for that. That joke. Whoa! <laughs> okay, we are we're trying to get back on track. So let's move to our final entry here. We're talking about the most unique five color legend, um, and in this case, is actually kind of interesting because our most unique five color legend actually contains the greatest number of unique cards in its deck compared to all of the other commanders of the same color. So here we are talking about. Tazri, Beacon of Unity. Not the old Tazri, the new one, the party version. The five mana for six in white. Uh, it is a human warrior that costs one less to cast for each creature in your party. And then it has a multicolored activated ability that allows it to be a five color deck that allows you to look at the top six cards of your library and you can reveal up to two cleric, rogue, warrior, wizard, and or ally cards from among them and put them into your hand and the rest go onto the bottom of your library in a random order. This one has 51 unique cards in its average deck compared to five color commanders, making it, I guess, technically our most unique compared to other colors of the same color combination. So impressive stuff there, Tazri. And really the reason for this, the reason that we're seeing it be so unique compared to other five color legends is because its deck is a total party. It is all about the party mechanic, which is itself pretty niche. But it's not just about the party stuff. It's also got like a bunch of D&D &D references on this page too, which I for one did not expect. Yeah, that is not at all something I thought we were going to see with this commander as well. Um, I guess it makes sense in terms of the party mechanic being kind of a D&D &D feeling mechanic, but <laughs> I would not have guessed that was the direction this commander was going to very much go. Yeah, it's stuff like Sephiroth and Barrowin and Hama Pashar and like dungeon crawling stuff. Like it's kind of become like a de facto D&D &D story commander. I think that this is sort of player response to being sad that the party uh, keyword or, or mechanic or or draft archetype didn't show up in Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. And so players are building a, an entire EDH deck based around actual D&D &D party adventuring. And that, I don't know, that, it's pretty heartwarming to me. That is a unique thing that, I, man, I would love to play against a deck like that the theming here is totally through the roof and that's pretty impressive stuff so tazri go you gotta respect that beacon of unity indeed but man that is all of our commanders our most unique commanders out there compared to other uh, commanders of the same color combination what a meal of an episode this has been but dana um i guess i'll pass it off to you if there are any final observations that you have about the huge groupings of stuff that we just went through um, you know, I guess I will just repeat the same thing we, re we said multiple times over the course of the show. Um, niche tribes and mechanics are just what tends to make this thing unique. Um, the, uh, something in a color pairing, uh, going back to the very first banner we talked about, Sig River Guide, there's just not a lot of things in white that care about merfolk. That makes that stand out. And, th and that trend continued all the way through all of the commanders we looked at, where Something that you don't see in those colors almost every single time is what made the particular commander with the most unique cards take that position. What I think this is a, a good chance to point out, if you're looking for any given commander that stands out, that does things differently, say you, you had a Golos deck or, or a Moldrotha deck that kind of was doing the same same as a lot of different decks out there and you need something maybe to spruce up your, your deck builds, uh, what's in your arsenal. 
starting with something along these types of lists is, is a really good chance to do something that you're not going to be doing typically in those colors. It's just a nice change of pace from, you know, your typical, oh, this color combination is always doing this. Well, this commander have, plays a, a different type of strategy. Uh, give some of these a, a shot. Maybe just even do a thought exercise. Brew with them a little bit. See what you can come up with. And maybe that just gets you inspired to do something with maybe not that specific commander, but something different in those color combinations. I think it's also kind of important to note here that the uniqueness scores, at least as we have measured them, are kind of an all or nothing proposition. You know, we saw Verizal, for example, being the Simic Kicker Commander, which is unique compared to other Simic stuff. But all it takes is one more Simic Commander that cares about Kicker that will play some of the same cards. And Verizal's uniqueness score is going to dip all the way down all over again. And then there would be something else in its place. So I think that basically for me, that's kind of a lesson to also remember to take a look at a bunch of the other commanders that we didn't necessarily name here that still feel unique because they might have just one rival out there with a slightly similar ability that is competing for some of the same card uses and therefore doesn't give it a high uniqueness score but it is still a very unique strategy that not a lot of other commanders are necessarily doing just one other commander might be doing i mean probably the most unique thing we can talk about here is how joey pronounces the word bant um definitely um. stands out as being very singular <laughs> i think that that is true i mean i i'm just worried about his aunts is is where i i get concerned <laughs> You know what? If this makes me the most unique, I'm okay with that. The most unique commander you're, you're, is actually Joey. You're, you're definitely the most. You are definitely the most. You know Times what? New Roman is his favorite fonts. Uh, you know what? <laughs> what? Do I need to bring back the Oubliette slash Dana called it Obliute example? Because I feel like I might actually not be the most unique. I, I feel like actually, Joey, I pronounced it worse than that. I think, what, <laughs> I think you might be giving me too much credit. I think what I said was worse than Obliute. <laughs> Oh man! What I, I think, I think we need to usher this episode out and uh, <laughs> exactly, yeah, that, uniquely just about, just say goodbye. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, so let's let's do that. Let's call this episode to a close, listeners. We would love to know what your most unique commanders are. What are the commanders that you enjoy playing that seem a little bit different than what other commanders of the same colors are doing? We'd love to hear from you. And fellas, if our listeners want to get in touch with us, where is it that they can find us all, Matt? So you can find me on the Twitters at Mathemus55, that's M-A-T-H-I-M-U-S-5-5. And don't forget, Wednesday evenings we are still streaming over at twitch.tv slash EDHRecCast. We have games every single week with guests that are so, so great. They are definitely the most unique guests that we have on. Um, so make sure you tune in for that as well. And Dana. You can find me on the Twitter birds at Dana Roach. You can find me on my other podcast once a week, CMDR Central. I'm writing articles for EDHREC and Commander's Herald, and you can find all of us together at patreon.com slash EDHRECcast. And I'm Joey Schultz. You can find me at Joseph M. Schultz on Twitter, and you can find the cast at EDHRECcast on Facebook and on Twitter. Plus, if you've got a question for us, you can contact us at EDHRECcast at gmail.com. Our thanks go out again to Chase, a.k.a. Manicurves, for assisting us with the post-production of the show. And, of course, we want to thank our sponsors one last time as well, TCG Player and CardKingdom.com. Plus, you can visit altersleeves.com slash EDHRECcast for cool, custom EDHRECcast sleeves. Listeners, we'll be back at you next week with more data and insights. But until then, remember, EDHREC your deck before you wreck your deck. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. 
Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.